Welcome back, everybody, to this bonus edition of bonus episodes of Drunk Bible Study. This is episode 180. 180. We're almost to wow. 200. That's wild. That was a very wow, exciting thing. Exciting. Yeah. I'm wondering where in 20 more episodes we're going to be. Oh, God knows. <sighs> we're going to, well, in what's the next book? Have we decided yet? Probably not. Chronicles? Well, I, no. I think. I think we're, no, we're saving Chronicles, I think, till right before we get to the New Testament is when we'll finally go back to Chronicles. Okay. Unless we change our mind, which we've done okay. so many times that that's totally possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, uh, I think after this, we're going to be going into the different minor prophets, which are quite a bit shorter. Okay. So we will kind of up our pace of, mm. of Ooh, that's fun. cranking okay, through that's these fun. books. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be super Looking fun. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Encouraging. Yeah, so honestly, in 20 episodes, nobody knows. Yeah, could be anywhere. Could be anywhere. Yeah. So I did some sleuthing on some of this, some of the different metaphors and things we've talked about in Ezekiel here. Uh, and then Emily, you looked into Mount Seir and kind of what that's all about. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to get to talk about shepherds, which will be very peaceful slash exciting slash erotic. Who knows? <laughs> Dedeker's making a questioning face about Erotic that. Erotic sheepies. <laughs> not the sheepies, but the shepherds. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't want to get people too excited. Yeah, please don't. Uh, erotic shepherds. I feel like that's like... I shall not want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I a big part of... A big part of doing this show is trying to sort of like limit people's expectations. Right? It's like, get excited, <laughs> but not too excited. That's just your yes. MO in general, Jace. That's yeah. just, that's like how you do things, which is not a bad way to live. It's not a bad way to go. Okay. Yeah. I do always say it's better to undersell and over deliver than the other way around. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So yeah. I guess that's what we're going for here. Sure. <laughs> Uh, so, so the first thing that I looked into here, and this one was super quick, so that's why I went on to look up other things, was that line about standing on your sword. And I was sort of like, mm. like not fighting, you're standing on it? Are you beating like, it into a plowshare? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and it just means like stand stand by your sword, kind of, or like live by the sword. That, that's all it means. Stand by your man. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly. <laughs> the yeah, that's from, sorry, James Bond. It's a James Bond song. Okay. It, it's, okay, sure. Stand by. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that wasn't interesting. I was so bored. And so I did <laughs> what I often do when I'm bored, which is to go to Hermeneutic Stack Exchange and just poke around and mm. see what's going on, see what's happening. And by, of course, going on, I mean things that were asked years and years ago because, you know, the Bible's been around a long time, as it turns out. And so a lot of people have asked questions already about these things. And one of the things that came up was there were several questions asking about the thing that Dedeker brought up, this kind of seeming contradiction of, wait a minute, so if you're good and then you do bad stuff, now you're bad and you're going to die. Or if you do bad stuff, but then do good stuff, now you're okay. Is that actually how it works? Or once you're saved, are you saved forever? Like those sorts of questions. Mm -hmm. And the, the answers probably won't surprise anyone who's used to looking at this sort of stuff or who was raised Christian. Basically, it's like the answers would go all over the place about like, oh, but it's because they're, they, they weren't 
saved and oh, that's because it was before Jesus or whatever. And then inevitably in all the threads, someone steps in and says something to the effect of... No, some well, yeah. So they've all said it's Jesus. Some variation uh-huh. on it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Something about Jesus. Something about being saved. Heaven, hell, whatever. And then someone inevitably steps in, and it's like, look, guys, these are Jews. It's written by Jews. All this shit that you're talking about doesn't make any freaking sense. Mm. There's no no place here. This is this does not belong mm. in this conversation. And Love my, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And my favorite. Was that so? So this was an answer from Ray Butterworth, which is also a great name. It's great. That's great. Delicious pancake syrup. Um, (laughs) His answer to this question of can a righteous person lose their salvation, according to Ezekiel? So that's like the, the actual question that was asked, and people gave all their bullshit answers. And then he comes in. He's like, "You can't lose what you don't have." This question assumes Ooh. the Christian concept of salvation is something that existed in Ezekiel's time. The Hebrew word can mean deliverance or rescue, safety, welfare, or victory, and doesn't have anything to do with the later Christian use of the word salvation, as in like your soul going mm. to heaven. Okay. And Interesting. And then the, the response from the, uh, I believe this was the original asker of the question, is like, your point of view sounds interesting. Would you be willing to develop the idea into a complete answer to the question? And I was just like, Excuse me? I wow. think he did, and you missed it. It just went <laughs> sailing right on by you. Jeez. Uh, goodness gracious. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the one other thing that I kind of looked at here was just that this whole thing of animals being used a lot in Ezekiel. Mm. Apparently, there's mm. some translation stuff where it, it has to do with it's about like living things, which is humans and also animals. And so modern translations at different points have interpreted different like variations on living things as wild animals, which often were just sort of like unclean living things or sort of like different variations on it. And then I tried to look into why sheep specifically, like why is sheep the thing that Yahweh decided? Why do we care about sheep? Yeah. That his people are. And I didn't get anything good. It was all mm. just okay. It was all just a bunch of nonsense about. Right. There was too much to filter through. Is it not because they're kind of well? I get maybe this is about Dedeker, or this is what Dedeker found. I just am wondering: is it because they're kind of like sweet and soft and need to be taken care of, and they're like sheep? Yeah, yeah. No, that's why. That's why humans are sheep in this sense like like the good humans are sheep i guess yeah they need mm. care mm. and love and gentleness okay. and they're yeah, prey okay. animals the the wolves yeah, are they themselves into danger and not very intelligent yeah. either yeah <laughs> i guess that fits with kind of how yahweh views how us the prophets view the people via yahweh is sort of this like yeah they're a bunch of bunch of just stupid definitely sheep. yeah just i kept bawling around I kept wondering why God keeps saying things like he is, you know, as I live and breathe or stuff like that. Or it, he said that, I think, in one of our chapters. And I was mm-hmm. like, is like, yeah. as I live. Yes. And yeah. I'm like, is he alive? Because is that what you would call him? Or is he without the opportunity to die? Like he's not a mortal being, right? That 
That is a really interesting question. And it actually yeah. came up in one of the threads that I found on the Hermeneutic Stack Exchange. Oh. They were saying that in Ezekiel, 16 times Yahweh says the phrase, as I live, to talk yeah. about these things happening. Uh, and just that it's kind of like, I guess they're saying that it's going to happen soon, but that it mm. hasn't happened yet. It's kind of the emphasis mm. of Yahweh's really trying to drive home, but like, but it it will happen. This is not one of those vague prophecies for later. This one's like a right now while I live, it's going to happen. Maybe implying just assuming I have a human lifespan, like it's going to huh. be within this generation or something. I'm not sure, but it was interesting that that got mentioned specifically when talking about uh, Ezekiel saying the stuff about, you know, I'm going to take care of my sheep and they're going to have this great land again. And all that is kind of saying, this isn't a prophecy about some shepherd to come in the future. Mm-hmm. Chrizos. That's not what we're talking about. This is while I live right now today. This is going to happen. Yeah. I read this as Yahweh just trying to prove that he's totally real. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's good, too. <laughs> Interesting. Like okay. Like, trust me. Trust me. Huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, well, should I talk about all the sheep? Well, okay. Emily was going to tell us go. about mountains. Do we want to talk about oh, mountains yes, or mountains. sheep? Oh, yes, mountains. I forgot about mountains. Yeah, don't, let's talk about mountains for sure. It, the sheep, Let's save the sheep for the end because they're more fun. Um, mountains, I just have a quick thing on Mount Sayir. Seir? Sayir? Sayir. I don't know. Yeah. So it's a mountainous region that stretches between the Dead Sea and the Gulf of Aquaba, which I thought looked like Aquafava, but it's not. (laughs) Not quite. Yeah, it's in the northwestern region of Edom and southeast of the kingdom of Judah. So I'm sure that paints like a perfect picture in your mind of where it is. (laughs) Of course. Not really, but... I've got those stored away. Yeah, Wikipedia says that it may have also marked the older historical limit of ancient Egypt and Canaan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that would make oh, wow. sense. We love talking smack about both those peoples. Yes. So, but it, it's yeah. thought to be near Petra in Jordan. Just so okay. you're aware. Right. Yeah. So, sure. and, and the modern Arabic equivalent is thought to be in Jordan. So, all right. Yes. So, that's roughly what we're talking about here. So, it's mentioned first in the book of Joshua. And then in Ezekiel chapter 35, which we just spoke about, and that's it, I guess, throughout the whole thing. However, Hmm. um, Mount Sair was named for Sair the Horite. So the offspring of Horite had previously inhabited the area, this like particular area that we're talking about here, which is talked about Hmm. in Genesis. And Esau, the children of Esau, the Edomites, battled against the Horites and destroyed them. And Mount Sayer is specifically noted as the place where Esau made his home. Hmm. That's kind of fun. Okay. okay. Yeah, that is fun. That's interesting. Yeah. And in the book of Numbers, the prophet Balaam, who I forgot about, Balaam? Balaam. Balaam. The talking donkey, right? Yes. Or no, ba- no, Balaam. Wait, was or, that him? Yes, yeah, that was Balaam. That was yes, Balaam. Okay. Yes. And he was the guy who was not a, a Jew, but was cool. Yeah, he yes, was cool. But was cool still. Okay. But still, he, he was on Yahweh's team. Yeah. Yes. He predicted Israelite victories over the Jordanian, Jordanian nations at the end of their exodus from Egypt. 
stating Edom shall be a possession. Sair also is enemies shall be a possession. So mm, okay. it's in, yeah, it's in various things, but that's where it is essentially. So it's also given as a location where the remnants of the Amalekites had escaped. So that's something. Oh, oh. that's not till Chronicles. Oh, crap. That's later. I mean, we have read that story before. Right? Okay. First and Second Kings is mm-hmm. the same stuff as Chronicles. As Chronicles, you're right. Yeah. But it's like a different, some different details and stuff. Yeah. It says it's also referenced in the prophetic books as a term for Edom and in Isaiah and Ezekiel. So I guess it's in Isaiah, Isaiah and Ezekiel as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's fun. Wow. It's just in a lot of different places, but I guess we're not going to see it again until Chronicles. I so I, I just because yeah, it's already come up in Joshua and Isaiah. Yeah, yeah I, guess so. I was trying to look up this map while you were talking about it, and I, mm-hmm. I typed in Mount Seir map and in Google Images, and uh-huh. one of the images that came up is like an image meme style image that's a like weird, almost looks like. AI or like Photoshop autofill picture of a mountain. It like doesn't look realistic. It's all choppy and weird. <laughs> and then in yellow, bold text says, set your face against Mount Sire, Ezekiel oh, 35. Okay. Like, well, of all okay. the passages well, who, you could choose. Why? Who thought that was a good idea to make that into a... What? Yeah, it's Wild. so weird. That's really odd. A lot of these like biblical... Uh, websites though are like from the '90s, right? So that kind of seems yeah, similar. This very much has that look. Oh yeah, exactly. Got some, got some staying power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> All right. All right, Dedeker, tell us about sheep. Okay. Well, what do you know about shepherds? What do you know about sheep? While we're at it, okay, I yeah. know that in in New Zealand, the joke is that there are three million people and sixty six million sheep. That's all I got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. What else? Uh, They're fluffy. I remember reading a children's book about a shepherd boy who would stand on one foot. Oh. I don't. Then what? That, I don't. I don't remember anything else about on the book. <laughs> on, wait, on one foot. Sorry, that's what you said. On one foot. Yeah, he would do like uh, like tree pose. You know, where your your oh, kind of yeah. foot is against on your knee of that. the other leg, and he's standing Totes. there. Yeah. That's the picture I remember from this picture book. But I you read. don't remember what the what the no, point of it was. Couldn't tell you anything else about that. <laughs> well, did you know that shepherding is basically one of the oldest occupations in the world? Okay, I mean well, that makes sense. That doesn't yeah, surprise given me. This that does make sense. Yeah, given this, yeah. So, kind of archaeological evidence suggests that we started shepherding like five thousand years ago okay. or so is when we okay. we figured all that out. And so, kind of the whole thing was you wanted to maintain like larger and larger and larger flocks. And when you have a very large flock, they have to be moved to pasture to pasture for grazing. And so that means then you need to develop a specifically distinct job title that's not just farmer. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Of someone who is specialized, dedicated just to watching the sheep. Okay. And so, you know, as we know, shepherds basically their whole thing was just like, watch the sheep, be the sheep babysitter. You know, right. you got your staff. Be the sheep babysitter. <laughs> protect it from the lions and the bears and the dogs and bring them in when it's time to shear them and maybe even milk them and make some cheese and stuff like that. And what is interesting though is that it seems like going way, way, way back, shepherds were pretty much always wage workers. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you mean by that? As like, in, 
They didn't own the sheep. Oh. They were just paid to watch the sheep. I see. Okay. So someone else owns them and they just hire this exactly. shepherd. Okay. Exactly. And that's been on my mind a lot as we've read this book and talked a lot about sheep and sheep herding where <laughs> I think we think about a shepherd and a sheep and think like, oh, pastoral, oh, how nice, like living on a farm. Mm. When at this day and age, it was more like your hedge fund manager because your wealth <laughs> was in sheep. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So, and is that, did you get the impression that that's more the look is like your hedge fund manager and not like your migrant apple pickers or something? It is more... Well, kind of a mix of both. Okay. If you combine migrant apple pickers with your hedge fund manager, <laughs> I think that's kind of what you're looking at. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Because yeah, it was, you know, I guess a pretty early example of the worker not necessarily owning the means of production. Right. Right. Huh. You know, wow. these assets don't belong to the shepherd. They belong to somebody else. He's just the guy who's being paid to watch them. And so, of course, by definition, you would have to essentially live with the sheep all the time, right? You would have to be nomadic. And so that's why it was usually like single dudes who were shepherds. Mm -hmm. And there weren't necessarily a lot of like shepherding families. It's not like you would be born into shepherding. It was Mm. a little bit more of like a gig that you took because you're a single dude who can just like live in a hut to be able to watch them and protect them. And so the only people who can really do that are single dudes who don't have kids or a wife or any other prospects. And so there's not necessarily a long history of like shepherding families. It's not like you would necessarily be born into it. It was more like a Hmm. gig that you would pick up if you were a single dude with nothing better to do. But but if we remember our beautiful boy, David, he was a shepherd for his family's flocks. Yes. So that's, that's kind of the exception is that often... Uh, in certain societies, you know, families would designate a family member often. Mm. Sometimes like the youngest, usually it was either a kid or it was an old person who couldn't do other difficult work. Okay. And so like we just send you to attend to the sheep and that's basically it. Wow. Nice. Yeah. And so um, the Wikipedia is really interesting because it talks about the fact that sheep herding developed only in kind of certain topographical areas. So for instance, in places where there's lowlands or if it's a river valley, it's more efficient to basically to to farm, to grow crops, to grow grain than to have sheep graze. And so, you know, raising sheep ended up being more confined to rugged or mountainous areas. So for instance, like areas of the Middle East, in Greece, in Scotland, in Northern England, like all these very rugged areas are associated with sheep herding. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I'm also... Remembering this this story that uh, we've we've all talked together about before, but not on this show about Cliff Young, who won the Melbourne Ultra Marathon right. back in '83, and he was the deal was that there were all these like famous runners who would do this yeah. ultra marathon, and then this guy Cliff was a shepherd. He was 61 years old, had been a shepherd for like his whole life, I guess, and was like, "Huh, I, you know, I run a lot after these sheep. I'm basically like running around all day." <laughs> So like I could I could probably do that. Might as well try. And then he came and, and yeah. did it and he won. Awesome. And kind of like upsetting the whole all the favorites and everything. Uh-huh. The apple cart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I guess that I mean it was must have been a very active thing, right? If you're having to travel all the time, they've got to keep moving areas to graze mm-hmm. in. You're having to run around and keep track of them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that's why David was so hot because he was, oh, he was just constantly great running cardio. around. Oh, he was. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> There, there are modern day shepherds. Uh, yeah. And, and, and the funny thing is that the Wikipedia feels the need to point out that wages are higher than was the case in the past. Um, 
So yeah, apparently so, okay. now sure. I don't. I, I'm I mean, going to hear that. I should have googled kind of what the average salary is of a shepherd. I don't know mm. that these days, but they imply that it, you know paying someone to be around your sheep all the time can add up. Okay. After a while, um, right? But also they're saying that sheep herding and sheep husbandry these days has gotten a little bit more efficient in this. Well, first of all, in the sense that there's a lot fewer natural predators of sheep left around and about, especially mm. in. Okay, domesticated like areas, around, fewer yeah. wolves and bears just running around, combined with the fact that in some places like in Britain, they've specifically breed, bred certain, you know, sheep variants to be able <laughs> to be left alone and kind of take care of themselves and can be left alone for quite a while. Okay, now I'm, so, now I'm curious. <laughs> what, what sort of genetic traits are you breeding in a sheep that can be left alone? Sort of chillness? I'm just going to read. Just, this is it's going like, to freaking murder the wolf that comes <laughs> near it. Claws. It's okay, that gonna, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, Do they have their own slingshots like David? Like, it what? just says, hardier breeds of sheep can be left on hillsides. Okay. Hardier. Hardier breeds of sheep. The sheep farmer will attend to the sheep when necessary at times like lambing or shearing. Lambing. Oh, that's big. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're all like, okay. lambing? Yeah. <laughs> um, I did read, actually, The New Yorker has a really interesting article from 2018 that does kind of a, a deep dive into the life of this modern sheep farmer in Northern England, specifically. And hmm. seems like it's a rough life. Okay. Just a rough life, like kind of nonstop. And you're always out getting your hands dirty, you know, taking care of the sheep and feeding them or lambing them or shearing them or moving them around or dealing with dead sheep and all kinds of things. Jeez. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's a tough job, but that's why yeah. you're so fit when you do it. I suppose so. It's so yeah. choice. You're hearty like the sheep are. <laughs> mm, and then fun yeah. trivia, uh, the term pastor was originally the Latin word for shepherd. Oh, so um, that's where that comes from. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Like, I guess yeah. when we say pastoral, that yeah. comes from the same word. So that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep. Wow. Exactly. Wow. I feel like I've learned so much today. So much. And if any of you out there listening are shepherds, we would love to hear from you with some stories about what, how's your day to day? When we read these passages about shepherds and sheep, are, are you like, Shouting at your podcast machine, like they don't, they don't get it at all. Or is it like, no, yeah, that's we don't. That's pretty accurate. Rivers of blood, and you know, all that stuff is pretty much what we deal with. So we'd love to hear from you. Alrighty, everyone, we'll see you next time for more drunk Bible study. Bye. <laughs>